But yeah, we're not the only ones who are live tonight. So anyway, I think we're live right now. Actually, we are. How's it going, guys? Um, welcome to the show. Let us know. Make sure uh, let us know that you can hear us in the chat. Give me a five by five, please. I always ask and you guys can always hear us. But the time that I don't, you guys are like, we can't hear you. Uh, so anyway, tonight we are joined by Tony Rodriguez once again for the sixth time, actually. So oh. <laughs> I, I went back through all the episodes. Tony has been on episode 101, 102, 108, 138, 158, and then now 166. So right on. Um, nice. Which is actually, um, if you don't, if you don't, if you didn't know that, I would recommend going back because uh, he tells he's told a lot of his story here on the show. So we're going to get into some aspects of his story that we, he doesn't typically talk about, but if you want, um, if you want that testimony, you can go back to any one of those episodes or you can um, also check out his most recent interview with Dr. Sala. And we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about the book. book. Um, but uh, the, your interview with Sala was really awesome. Actually. Uh, it was every time I listened to you, it's something I learned something new and uh, he asked some really good questions. It was a, it was a really good interview. I really liked it. Uh, so I thought that was excellent. And congratulations on the book, man. It's selling. People are yeah. loving it. Uh, how's it feel? It's surreal. And, you know, I want to talk about basically what's happened since because I, I, I knew that there was people waiting for it. We did a pre-order. People helped raise money. You know, there was a pre-order, like a fundraiser, and it sold. I, I offered 100 copies. I think we sold like 70 two or 71 of them and so that money used for we kicked it into you know graphics and all that like it just carried it it carried and bought time to work on the book and honestly i have a gaping hole in my life now from because the book's done and i'm not working on anything in those hours i was up you know jackie and i did a lot of the last bit of editing over like i don't even know how long a couple months a month or two and it was like every night and so now now i i have a couple hours a night that i'm not doing anything i feel like i'm late for somewhere but it's number one man i didn't expect that i didn't expect it to go to number one in its category it's been the number one best or number one new release and then for a couple days it was bestseller so you know what i mean it's it's it gets like chunks so i i was not prepared for that i knew it was going to have i knew that there was people waiting but I didn't think it was going to do what it's doing. So um, I'm a little Congrats. bit humbled by it. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. And I mean, just, yeah. just some of the reviews I've read in the comments under this video, I mean, people are already done with it and they're, you know, it's they they love it. People are absolutely <laughs> snorting the book. They're just snorting. <laughs> I mean, really there's people that are telling me they read it in five, six hours that they're, Ooh. you know, like I read it, got the book at, Got the book at noon and I was done at midnight and I'm getting all this. And it's a you big know, book too. It's well, I want to tell, I want to tell you guys how good size book. I want to tell you guys about the spacing because there are, if you look at it, whenever you're reading the book. So Jackie and I kind of went back and forth in the beginning. She's, but you know, I don't know her exact degree, but she went to college for this stuff and she's very, you know, she had like a literary, whatever she was in journalism and she's got like, she took college courses on how to edit books. Mm -hmm. um and she i started putting spacing if you look at the book there's a lot of spacing in between lines that stretches True. it out yeah. and that stretched it out makes it more pages than it really is and she's like don't do that in the beginning she was like don't do that and i was like okay the next day i went ahead and did it 
<laughs> and she's like, why are you spacing that? So look, and I said, look, I, Jack, I, I kind of held my ground. I said, this is how I write. This is how I write. When, if somebody emails me, if you message me on messenger or, or whatever it is, that's how I write. I have to, you know what I'm saying? Like I put a space instead of a period. It's something I've always done since the internet happened, you know? And yeah. so I, I, that was how I did my book. So there's a lot of spaces in between lines. So it's faster to read. It's mm -hmm. a fast read because of that. You can, people are, a well, lot of people say, man, your book is so readable. And the, the text is like a pretty big size. Yeah. So, and it's a text. So we learned that yeah. little trick, like yes, next time we'll shrink the text because it'll be less pages and cheaper mm -hmm. to print from Amazon. Yeah. It'll be less cost, less money. Cause this is, this is the first revision. There is going to be a revision. We're going to shrink the text and try to get a smaller one, like a, like a second revision oh, that's well, going to happen. And when we probably right around the time we do the Kindle release, you know, so, what, what I like about that though, like Peter Slattery's books are that way. A few books are that way. Yeah. And I real I realize when I'm reading them, it's effortless. You can it fly it through it. Your read. brain doesn't have to think about reading as much, if that makes sense. Like you, you're, you're just, and it helps. It's actually makes it easier for me to retain the information. Also, it's just, it's, it's like more pleasant on the eyes. So, yeah, I'm yeah. not the most literary guy. I'm not Mark Twain, and I don't, I don't crunch any book quickly, and I just don't read a lot. You know, in my professional life, I'm a craftsman, so it's not something that I do. You know what I mean? Like I don't. It's a muscle that you got to do. Some people are very good at reading. Brad yeah. um, Olson sent me his book, Beyond Esoteric. Yeah. And we were still, we were still Ooh. in PDF form on my book. And I opened it up and I was like, that book. Whoa. I wrote Brad. I said, dude, you're a machine. There's like 500 <laughs> yeah. pages. This is a tight print and tiny, there's like 500 some text. pages. I was like, tiny. you are a machine. It's the smallest text you, I've ever seen in the you book. You need too. a magnifying glass and because it's he, sque he squeezed so much stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I feel like I'm putting out That's a comic a book. <laughs> yeah. Um, by but, the way, I still haven't gotten my copy yet, so you know why though, Tyler? Because it's in my hand. <laughs> this is your copy right here. I'm gonna he's, sign this tonight while we're on the show um, to Tyler, and I'll get this in the mail this week because I just no. Got then mine. then he's gonna get in his car and drive to my house while we're on the Zoom call and deliver it. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna deliver it. Yeah. in person. Well, you know what? We were, we were talking about that off air. That I bought mine as soon as the book was live on Amazon. I bought 125 author copies to do the pre-order and they were like well and this was like january 1st saturday that's what the first or second and they said it'll be delivered expect them around the 16th and i thought okay so when people buy the book it's going to take them it must be a printing process they do it one at a time and people all of a sudden that night we're getting them um, you know your book will be here wednesday so people that are buying the book, so Amazon drags their feet on the author's copies. And I felt really bad for the pre-order people. A lot of people are like, what's up, man? People are already reading your book. They're already done with it. And I pre-ordered it months <laughs> ago. What's going on? Yeah. And I feel really bad about it, but there's really, it was Amazon. They, you know, it just makes sense for them to not give me my discounted ones to sell to people so that they, they don't want to shoot themselves in the foot. There's a really good reason he's the second richest man in the earth <laughs> yeah. publicly publicly yeah publicly yeah um exactly. that's all right though everybody's gonna get it and they're gonna read well, it and yeah. I, I wanted to say thank you for getting me i know you guys have been really busy your schedule's been packed you had a lot of great guests lately your show's just kicking ass but thank you for squeezing me in because it, that's another thing that i learned so i'm learning in this process the algorithm of amazon works it like the more people that you don't have to buy the book but the more people that click on the link make it more searchable in the very first month 
So it's very important that I get out here and tell everybody about it now, rather than if I wait two or three months down the road and people click it, you don't get as big of a pop in the it search. Gets, it gets buried. Yeah. 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 It's an algorithm. So it's, it's important to get out, to get out and do some shows and just let people know about it, you know? Right. So, and, uh, so by now, most people, not most people, but a lot of our listeners probably know your story. And uh, so, and they've heard it. And I mean, I was looking, man, you've done like at least a hundred interviews by now. Over 200. Over 200. Oh, wow. That wow. many. Cause yeah, I, yeah. I found a, I found a site that compiled all of them, compiled all of them, but it stopped at like right around a hundred. So most of them. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, so there's so many aspects to your story that people haven't heard and you can't cover in any interview. And is that what sets the book apart from the interviews as you get into all that? So the book, there's a lot that's, there's a lot of details that are not in the book that are like day-to-day, -day, like deep mundane details that we ha I put them in there and I, I was just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what stuck when I was writing the book. I was just, you know what I mean? The process was very difficult for me. And so there's a lot of stuff in there that not in the book that I may have covered in an interview just because it's not relevant to what was going on. The book, the book is really the only account of my relationships of the people I was with while I was in the 20 year time. So there were people that, you know, hated me and there were people that loved me in this book. I really, I really had time to sit, you know what I mean? Like I can't sit in an interview with you guys and say, you know what I mean? My girl, you know, she walked by, I slapped her on her butt and we liked, we liked each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't yeah. do that. And, Why not? You just, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? It was just, it, it's because it makes it awkward. It's right? more Where appropriate it, for a book form than, than in the yeah, book. The right. They, in the book I talk about in people in Peru, people that, you know, mm -hmm. I hung out with. And so the book really has that aspect of it. And the main thing that I, as we got towards the end of it, the thing that I didn't set out to do that happened was really shocked, shocked me. And I realized it at the, towards the end, like in the last couple of weeks before we finished it was that I really accentuated why I remembered everything. You know what I'm saying? Like I really, it was the relationships of people that I didn't want to forget. I wanted to forget everything. You know what I mean? Like when I was up, but the people that I had befriended with the people that were my friends, I did not want to forget them at the end. And that's what really stands out to me that the book tells that I don't ever say in any interview is that, you know, I was madly in love with somebody and I had friends and I had a life. My life went from being, you know, I was suicidal at one point. I just couldn't do it. You know what I mean? For, for years, I was just, it, it was horrible. It was a horrible existence. And I got to the point where I had a shred of happiness. That's why it's named the Cavalier because I actually got in trouble for be, behaving in a Cavalier way because I was happy. I, I got to a lifestyle as a slave where I enjoyed my life. Do you get what I mean? Like I overcame yeah. all that and other people didn't like it because they were above me, didn't enjoy their life. And I got, I literally got in trouble and it was, I got in trouble for cavalier behavior. And that's why it's the this right. book that well, Aaron, you're on with the page you're on. You're not there yet. So I don't want to ruin it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why I chose that. And Jackie, I would say Jackie hated the title at first. She's no, like, really? no, it sounds terrible. She's like, don't, don't it. pick that. So no, it, uh, <laughs> it's good. Oh, um, it's a great title. It is. And, oh, damn, what was I going to say? Oh, so the relationships. Uh, I know your book covers that a lot, but uh, you just said you were madly in love with somebody. And uh, so what happens when you get those memories back? Did you, I know you've been asked this before. We might have even discussed it. But have you tried to look for any of those people? And have you found any of those people? Yes. Yes. 
And I do. I'm sure you don't want to say too much more than that. I know you don't want to out anyone else, so, but I was just curious on what that looked like for you. In the beginning, I did fine early on, and I found somebody that I remembered, and they didn't remember, and I told them everything, and we had corresponded for a long time, and I it was a little bit, of, and and it was very damaging to them. It was <clears throat> not cool. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'll leave it like that. Like. This is somebody that had a great life going on and then now they had to call into question everything they believed and it was a it's not something that should be pushed on somebody and i really see i have a problem with a lot of people that are doing there are some people out there i don't even know their name off the top of my head but they're telling people like you were involved and even if somebody's involved and you know it it's not the right thing to do to tell somebody that they were involved you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's damaging so because their higher self chose to forget and their higher self will choose to remember. And I, I had motive, the book explained towards the end, you, you know, the very end, the last few chapters explain why I was motivated to remember that person that was up there. I wanted to remember. I did not want to forget what had happened because I had come such a long ways because I went from a miserable life, a miserable existence to a, like, you know, like, and I, I've talked about this before, like if somebody is a millionaire and they become a billionaire, it's a huge triumph for them. It's a huge achievement. I was a complete slave and I got to the point where I had a shred of freedom and I had relationship. You get what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it was the same sense of achievement for me. It was a big achievement. I didn't want to forget that. And you know what I mean? Like that's what, that was the, what motivated. So I thought that I would meet people down here and explain that to them. And what I found out was just the opposite, that there's people that don't want to remember and so I did. And I, I found people, most people, believe it or not, most people that have their memories, consciousness, there's a lot of people that have conscious memories, a great deal of memories. I met a one guy that remembers every bit as much as I do about his 20 year tour. And he's got no desire to speak to anybody about any of it. He talked to me privately. He's like, I just between me and you, I'm not going to tell anybody. So I'm not going to tell my wife or nobody. I don't want anybody to know what I was doing. And a lot of people are like that. A lot of people couldn't be bothered and they don't want to wear the stigma. You know what I mean? I guess I, for whatever reason, I just wasn't afraid of it. Uh, it's very inconvenient to, in my day-to-day -day life, it's very inconvenient to, to speak about the things that I do. So well, you're right. doing a service to humanity by exposing all this stuff. I'm a big fan of disclosure. I'm a big fan of the mission. You're right, Aaron. And um, I you. think that I think that's more important than just me or what I go through. I think that, and you know what, this is, uh, wow. Um, the book is the biggest fuck you that that kid, little kid that got tortured in Inyokern could have said to anybody. This is the biggest, yeah. this is the only revenge that I could have taken to what happened to me, what happened to me when I was laying there angry, there was a, people always go, why weren't you so angry? Why aren't you angry, Tony? When, you know, my interviews, you're, you're not angry. You, you, it's like, you're so graceful. And the fact is that I had 20 years of anger and 20 more years after I got back of being angry. And this is my revenge is, <clears throat> is tell, you know what I'm saying? Like I know it's a book. Now it's a book. You can't, you're not going to delete it out of your hand. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, a, to me, it's a very big win. I'm, um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a way of like exactly. stepping into your sovereignty also. And, you know, and it's, I, I totally understand it and thank you. And it's, you mentioned in real quick, we just had Brad on and he said that you guys were, uh, 
I don't know where he was, but he's on the phone with you and he was driving through in your Kern and yeah. he was like showing you something like, I remember that mountain where used to, I used to try and like think about escaping and going there. So it's really interesting that you have like stuff like that happening that like also validates your, your story. Like, it's not just like you remember seeing that stuff. Yes. And it's, it's freaky. I, I always wait in the beginning, especially the first couple of years, I was like, I'm going to, somebody's going to check this out. Or I'm going to go to Seattle or whatever it is and I'll check it out and it won't pan out. And then I can, you know what I mean? Look at some other reason why I remember this, you know, why maybe there's some other reason that I have these memories, but other than it being true. And what's happened is every little thing that I check out like that pans out and I go, shit, it's real. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Damn. Right. Right. Yeah, and no, it was neat that Brad did that. We talked in Vegas and then he drove, he went to annual Kern and we, I think we were on the Facebook mess. It was really grainy, but he put it on video and, um, it was, it was something else because I, that's in your current, I, I kind of want to go there myself and walk it. And he walked exactly where I would, I was like, no, no, go up by the bridge, you know, like telling him where to go. And he did, it, it was, um, it was freaky. It was a freaky experience for real. Really? Um, wow. so you know how you said, you mentioned, uh, you found that person, you told them everything about their, and it, it just flipped their life upside down and what if you know we don't we never know i think i was thinking you know you said your higher self will uh basically let you know if you're ready for it now but what if his higher self wanted you to come and tell him <laughs> and that was part of the arrangement i'm serious so don't beat yourself up over it is what i'm trying to say because it might have it might have actually been what he signed up for yeah i mean there's a free will aspect but i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is that i i don't feel that it's something that should be forced on somebody you know like um, yeah. and even, even up until now, just after the book's release, now I'm asking people to bring me on the show. Like I said, please come on, you know what I mean? And to drive the algorithm and the book one, there's a money issue about it, but really I, I just want people to read the book. You know what yeah. I mean? There's a lot of information in there that supports other things that are going to lead people. And when I autograph it, I don't autograph them all the same, the pre-orders, but I've been saying stuff like, you know, I hope this book inspires you to keep researching, to keep searching into the subject, because that's really true. Right. I really hope that people read this book and they start, and it has breadcrumbs that can connect dots to other things that I might not know about. Mm -hmm. And, um, but until then, I always, I've only, only done interviews where people asked me to come on. I've only ever, right. I've only ever talked about this to people that have asked me. And I found that maybe there's a karma thing about it, but I think that just goes better well, like that. Yeah. Well, you know how many people are getting their memories back anyway, so it's going to help. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to help trigger some something in somebody else. And who knows the type of ripple effect it's going to have. So I wouldn't even worry about that. Um, but yeah, there's so many aspects of your story that you've mentioned before that I'd like to actually dive just a little deeper into. And maybe you cover them in the book. But uh, in particular, well... We have a couple questions from the chat real quick. Let me, yeah, let me address the chat. So Matthew Starcy donated uh, $27.77. Thank you. Drain the Truth podcast, Matthew. Tony and all of you in the chat. We're all in this together and I can't wait to read Tony's new book. See you all at the conference. Oh yeah. We have to talk about the conference too, which Tony's going to be speaking at. And then uh, we got an $11 donation from Mark Beck, 1111. Hi, Tony, please talk about some of the German terms and phrases you picked up during your service. German is my native language. Uh, that's interesting. Did, is there any of that language that stuck with you? 
Um, not really. I didn't, I never really had to learn German. We had, we had uh, translator tech. So I do cover some things like just acronyms that they had uh, in the book, like a few acronyms. Um, but I, I was, I was resentful of them. I wanted to learn Spanish and go back to Peru where I people liked me and where I believed people liked me. I was kept wanting to learn Spanish. I kept asking them, can I learn Spanish so that when I go back, I can go back there. And they were like, no, you need to learn German. And it was, it was an option for me. So I, we would, we would go on missions and I would go to school. There were times when I would go do a couple hours in school at the end of the day to learn whatever, uh, you know what I mean? Like fire suppression and loading techniques and just other stuff. They would always keep constantly training you. And I had the option of learning German and I, I refused. And it was kind of like an empowering thing. I was kind of like, I don't want to learn your language. You know, I was, I was angry. They treated me, they treated me like shit and then expected me to learn their language, adopt their language, make life easier for them. And I, yeah. because they made it optional, I refused on for that reason, you know, but. No, right. Um, so I think I might be mistaken about this, but in one of your interviews, one of them, I think I remember you saying they want the people were um, wanted to were very interested to know what you dreamt about. Was that you that said that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that's something I actually want to expand on, because that that tells us a lot about dream space. If they really want if they were that concerned about what you guys were dreaming about, there's something to that. And what are your thoughts on that? So whenever they had, a, they created the anti-telephone to mission away. So there were missions that would leave, not every, not every time, not every day, but most days we did a temporal mission. So they would leave and they would get back five minutes away from series at maximum speed, five minutes in the past. So we'd leave at eight o'clock, they'd get back five minutes away at 7.55. So five minutes before we left. That way they knew the ship made it through the mission. If the ship didn't appear or if it was all beat up or in the wrong spot, they knew the mission failed and they'd cancel it and we wouldn't leave. And so the ship would immediately disappear. They could see it. They had eyes on it where if it was there and it was, or it was never there at all. You know, if it didn't come back, it didn't come back. And they scheduled really aggressive missions that, you know, it was a very powerful technology to answer a telephone like that. Whenever a mission was scrubbed, they would just scrub our mission. They were like, you guys are scrubbed. You're staying in the dock today. We stayed at our post and cleaned and caught up on our work. We still had to work. But for the next week, they would debrief us and ask us, if you have any kind of dreams, we want to know what your dreams are. And because they would get bits and pieces, there were some people that they would get bits and pieces of that failed mission. Like that time still did happen. And they're somewhere in your, maybe not in your body, but somewhere else in your, wherever your memories are kept outside of the body. The, you, the experience is there and they were trying to glean information of what happened. It was all about intelligence is mm. what they were doing. Another oh, okay. thing is, I don't even know if I covered it in the book. There was a line about it. I'm not sure if it's in there or not, but I had the same on series. So on Mars, it was different, but on series colony, after a couple of years there, I began to have the same dream every single night. And it was, as soon as I went to sleep and I began to dream the floor, I would dream and see my room that I was in and the floor would drop out and I would fall into space. And that would be the beginning of all of my dreams. Always. It was the same beginning. Like, and then, then I would go on and have normal dreams about, you know what I mean? Just, just like anybody does, but it was, that was the beginning of all my dreams. A hundred percent was wow. the floor would drop out into empty space and I'd be floating in space. And that, that was, yeah, it was, it was weird, but that was, 
And then I remember that I would be floating in space dreaming and I had the experience and I was like looking for other people that I always wanted to like, I always wanted friends at that time. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't really have any kind of really close friends and I always was looking for friends. I was like, while I'm out here, is anybody else here? You know, anybody here? And I remember that that was a common reoccurring part of that aspect of that dream, the first few minutes. And then it would go into, you know, your normal dream of whatever, whatever your normal dream is, you know? Wow. That, wow. That's, that's really fascinating. That it's amazing. like you were shown like your, like your soul leaving your body for the dream. Like, you yeah, know, like, how, you know, they say we're always attached with that etheric cord all the time and your body can just like slingshot back into your body at any moment. But that was like showing you a version of leaving. And, and that the, so the building I was in, the gravity was coming out of the floor. There was artificial gravity. So it was kind of like once I got out of that, then I went on into space. Like it was basically, Ceres is essentially a dead planet. There are things that I don't think there's a, there's not a, a, you know, it's dead. So it's a different, there's no magnetic field or anything like that. What we have, we have here. Uh, I think the CI, there's a document, there's info that says that when you dream that we all kind of communicate each other, but um, it's like radio signals bounce off the ionosphere. And when you're dreaming, your, your mind gives off signals and we all kind of communicate in the ionosphere somewhere. Like that's as far as we go. Right. Yeah. There's a document somewhere about that. Yeah. There's a document somewhere. There's somewhere about that. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. It's, on, uh, it's on my website. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I just, uh, yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you covered that. Cause I had been thinking about that. I'm like, why did they want to know about his dreams? What was so important, but they were wanting to see if there was any like residual memory. It, right. They were trying to find out what happened in those failed missions and they actually did. So I never had any kind of uh, information to give them. Like really, I, you know, I wanted to, because you got pulled out of work for a minute to get debriefed in the morning, you could report it. And there were people that did, you know, three or four people that were like, I had a dream about a mission last night and they were like, come on, come with us. And they would go through a long debrief and they, they could miss work. And so I wanted to, but I, I just never did. Right. Right. Mm. So fast forwarding to the part of your story, whenever you talk to the psychic uh, on series. Okay. Um, tell me everything about that because, <laughs> because it, well, it's, it's interesting because your time in Peru and how you were used for that. And it seems like the person or this ET or whatever that um, was doing the reading for you, did it seem like they were being used also in that position? Like it was exactly the same technology. That's why I knew that's why I had to do it. I walked by, um, it was on my way, on my way out of the hangar and there was a small, like a town area and I would walk by and they had, they had, you know, big TV, like TV screens on the wall that showed videos of, of it that would get your reading. And I remember walking by it and not paying attention. When I looked, it was a, it, it, first it, it was like a, uh, a beautiful, girl with an iv bag that they put in like in the commercial it was a beautiful woman with an iv bag and they did that and then they she went under and she was like giving somebody you know it was a commercial and i looked at it, i went that's exactly what they did to me that's real you know what i mean i was like that's exactly what i was doing in peru the exact the exact same technique so that and i was like oh my god so i went back the next day a couple of days later when i got paid and i took money out of the bank to cover it it was like 45 bucks francs, you know, and I went back and got the reading because I knew. And when I got in there, it was not a beautiful girl. In fact, it was a young, 
half human, half like a hybrid species, like a like a like a like a was a young girl that was half gray, half human. She had human hair, like a gray with human hair, straggly and not you know very. It was a miserable condition. It was it was it was ter- it was a terrible thing to witness, the way that they kept these kids. And they were, it was really cheesy. Like they, they didn't have, it wasn't a fancy place. Like they set up curtains and they were on a cot with a, with a chair next to them with their thing, with their IV and a little computer screen with curtains around it in a small little room. It was disgusting. And I went in there and baby, he's like, you get three questions. You're going to get three, three questions. And the, the first two, I was just asked, um, you know, if I was going to know Marie when I went back, if, am I going to, am I going to marry Marie basically essentially was the first one. And then am I going to know what's going to go on? And then she told me I was going to remember. She said, you're the one, you're a witness. And she's the way she talked was really, the way she talked was really cryptic as anybody, as I'm sure most of the audience knows how psychics can be, especially Mm -hmm. when you're in a trance, you know, like in a deep state Mm -hmm. that it's, it's very kind of cryptic, but it made a lot of sense. And then the third thing, she said a bunch of other stuff that I didn't get, you know what I mean? But she was talking about the three, one of the three girls and the the way that she worded it was, you know, the one of the three, possibly two, possibly, you know, it was a, it was like a, like a, like a riddle, the way that she worded it to me about the three girls. And then I went from there straight to crumbs and it was a slow day. And there were three girls of the friends that were there working that sat at my table and we were talking, I was telling them about it. And uh, Marie, Marie was pissed off that I spent the money on it. So that's yeah. in the book. Uh, <laughs> trying to think of anything else that, you know what I'm saying? Like in that well, scene. So the reason, well, it's just, it's curious because I had, um, well, so I, for, first of all, the movie Total Recall, if you've seen that, they, they, they picked exactly, exactly that. If you, you yeah. know, they're, they're in on Mars and there's a TV screens like, yeah, yes. And then there's a psychic girl who kind of looks maybe like deformed or miserable. And uh, so her face wasn't like that, but her hair was right. If that makes sense. And it was not like that in, in the sense of where it was like, like the scene that I see in my head is completely different than the total recall. That's yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying great, that it's great it that they that. have that. Right. Right. But well, and that, it wasn't like that, you know, um, yeah. It's it's hard to it's hard to uh, really articulate it. The difference it was very dark. The way that they kept it, it was like like in a night area. The it's like series had places that stayed night all the time where they never cranked the lights up. They had big town squares that would fake daylight. They would turn the lights up, and it would be like day. But this was in an area in between that usually was dark, and it was like that. It was like it was like a. Uh, Man, not a, not a, I don't know what district you would call it, like a club district, right? You know, in between. And, uh, yeah, she wasn't like that. She was like a gray, like a gray that was had human hair, like a have, like a hot that didn't have that dark color, more like, more like human colored skin, but basically the face of a gray. So, and, uh, did you encounter a lot of hybrids in the programs, like as far as like specific races, obviously, but like, could you tell like there was a half dog man or something walking around, you know? So we always thought that when we, you know, whenever we went to somewhere and people interacted, like we didn't personally see them, but people on the ship would interact. And then it would kind of, the rumor would get all the way through the ship. You know what I mean? Like we were, saw this guy looked like a, 
looked like a goat kind of thing. And um, there were a lot. So that's just, that's kind of like a way of life out there that, hum, you know, us, there's so many different versions of us that are just like us. They're people, you know, I mean, we, we openly refer to it and I still do refer to out them as people. It doesn't matter what it is. It's a certain level of intelligence. I, so I was directed to not interact with ETs. Basically, that was the, that was the, you know, when I was out and about in the colony, I was not supposed to interact with ETs. If I saw one, I was supposed to ignore it and not, not interact because I was a slave and, you know, I could misrepresent humanity. You know what I mean? Saying I was a damn, I was a damaged person. So that was the, that they just like, yeah. that's the rule. Just don't talk to them. Just don't, right. don't, don't even stare at them. But we, you did see them and hybrids. I I'd have to say, no, I don't remember seeing many hybrids. And in fact, I remember that girl, when I saw that girl that I was a little freaked out by it, that I thought it was kind of unnatural because most of the ETs I'd seen to that point were not half, you know, half one, half and the other, they were, a, they were whatever race they were, they were yeah. not a, a mix. And we were aware that there are natural. So it didn't happen there. It didn't, it wasn't allowed on Ceres colony, but we were aware that in other colonies in space, other, other planets, that there are natural pairings that have hybrid children between certain species. Like it is possible for a human to marry another species and have a hybrid child. We are, we were aware that there are lots of species that that is possible and that doesn't go on. We did talk about that all the time. And like I said, we always bragged about my girlfriend's blue. I got a blue girlfriend. I'm going to go see my girl today. (laughs) You know, she's blue. She's bright blue because they were, they were very xenophobic and there it's against the law. There were, there were blue species that were in the solar system, either inner earth or somewhere else in our solar system that we did business with. And they were very xenophobic. Like they were like, you couldn't talk to their girls. They would, it was like totally off limits for them to be with anybody other than their own species. So we super, we joked about that all the time that that's my girl, you know? (laughs) So, uh, so did anybody ever, did they ever go ahead, Aaron? Sorry. Sorry, real quick. Sammy, Sammy Starlight wants to know if, your book's going to be available on Amazon Kindle. It will. So we're actually are working on that now. So there are things like we figured it out. Uh, I got to tell you, Jackie is absolutely brilliant and figured she, the, she really took, she really took the reins in the very end when we were going through the formatting part of the book after, after we did the editing and she did a great deal, great deal of work editing it. And that's why it's so readable because there's so many times that she goes, she sent me a message and said, what is this? I don't even understand what you're talking about here. And it slipped my mind because it's it, me talking about it. It's not the same as carrying what it reads like to somebody. And she right. came back and read it and said, no, you got to, you got to explain that better. And we did a lot of that and it makes it readable, but nice. um, we are working on the Kindle one. We had to learn about the formatting. It took us, it took us a couple tries. We were going to format like on the 29th and it took us to the 31st and the first actually to get it up. It took us a few tries and graphics and everything like it was a it was the first time so okay. we're going through that process on the kindle slightly different i'd like to get a hardcover copy and offer it for a little bit but i don't know you know we're gonna yeah, do that cool. and um like i said there'll be a second revision that'll get some mistakes that we made we'll get those out of there and get a smaller print on the second revision so back to the blue women <laughs> so did, did you were you serious that none of them ever were able to break away and date like a human or did some absolutely it was punishable by death in their culture and mm. so, so and there are several blue there are several so that's let me say that it's not just this one 
it was the this culture that I'm talking about was one that did business with the series Colony Corp. So we did business with them and they were, you know what I mean? They used us as an inner, like a middleman to trade with other people because they're very xenophobic uh, culture. I believe they weren't located. They had one facility inner earth and I believe they had other facilities elsewhere in the solar system that we did business with. Um, the other thing is they were aware so there was a conversation I had that they were aware that because they were blue, they lived longer. Like just the color blue, it, it, they, they, had, they had a better healing thing. And they said that, uh, man, I forget the term, but it's like um, even, even thinking about them helped them heal. Like there's something about it. There was, a, there was like a, there was like a esoteric, like a, like a psychic phenomenon around it. So that when they thought it, when you thought about one, you were actually helping it. Wow. I, I'm not explaining it. I'm not, I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to butcher this. There's really no <laughs> way I'm going to explain this. Right. I've already butchered it. But, <laughs> but that was, it was like part of the deal, like just naturally being a blue color for them was like a blessing. Like there's some kind of uh, mechanics of the universe that helped them and, and they lived much longer. Even, even their own species, they had other members of their own species that were a different color, the same way that we do. The blue ones tended to live longer. And, and, I, and I'm assuming you don't remember a name for that race. I don't. Right. Yeah. Um, actually, it's funny whenever I have dreams and experiences, like I can tell you everything except for names and faces. Like it's just, they're not there for me. So, yeah. and it's I think it's part of the brain. It's a yeah. different part of the brain that's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> Uh, when in your interview with Sala, and I know you've said this before, whenever you were being taken to the moon and you saw the Douglas, uh, the Douglas patch logo on the Doug, what was it, Douglas airspace or whatever, Douglas it? aircraft, yeah, aircraft, um, on the back of the seat. And then the guy told you, um, you asked why, explain that story because I have a follow up question. Sure. Well, the first I went from Inyo Kern when I was young, when I was 10 years old, I rode a similar, not the same craft. I thought it was the same craft, but it wasn't a similar one to the moon over just one night and then back again. So there and back, but I wrote on it. I knew that we went to the moon. And so I always knew there was a base on the moon from a young age. Then later on after Seattle, I was like 16. So six years later, I, you know, they sold me off to the military and I ended up back on the same craft and the seats hadn't changed. It said Douglas, just like it did. And the guy that chaperoned me was a, 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 a Navy or Air Force officer, military guy, sitting next to me. And I said, he said, he remarked on it, said, they don't even have this name anymore. This isn't even them anymore. So the craft was older. And I, I said, I wrote on this. I was telling, I was like bragging about it. Like I wrote on it back when it was new. I mentioned that to him. I wrote on this when it was new. And he goes, uh, no, you didn't. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, they don't even, this is, this is old. And then he got in, he was like, and then he, 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 he showed me the, the, the logo and then logo. he showed me another logo and he said do you know what this means and i said i don't know they're shooting a missile at the moon it's a missile you know what i mean like everything was doom and gloom to me back then mm -hmm. and he goes hang on and he went through his bag and he looked at it for like it felt like forever he looked through his bag three or four times like he just kept fumbling and he got out a very old piece of paper that had some like just numbers on it and it had the very old douglas logo and it was an airplane going to the moon and I said, this is, this is us on this plane. You know, like this, that's what this is. We're going to the moon. 
And he said, we've been going to the moon a lot. This thing is a lot older than you think it is. And we've been going to the moon a long time. You know, like he explained that to me that um, right. it was a very old, I thought it was a younger plane than what it, what it was. I thought and the craft what, was. What year would that have been when he told you that? 86, 87, 87, okay. 88, right in there. 87, 88, right, right in that range. So the, so the plane was old already by then. You know, it was yeah. a, it was a very old, it was a very old craft. So, and then you said it had since been changed to McDonnell Douglas. They were bought out by then. You know, I, I checked. And so this was another thing that Jackie didn't want me to include in the book. She said, there's a copyright issue. And I checked with a few other people and because Douglas doesn't exist anymore, I figured it's not an issue, you know? Yeah. Um, but they were bought over and became McDonnell Douglas. But before that they were first around the world in Douglas aircraft it wasn't until the Sala interview that he goes, yes, Douglas Aircraft did early with the Gemini program. And the early, they were working, the CIA was hiring uh, Douglas to build spacecraft in yeah. the early, like in the 50s. That's so what I William, that. yeah, William Tompkins yeah. talks about that in his, in his book. He, he worked think tanks in Douglas, you know. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was unaware of that. Like, right. And so I, I wanted to put it in the book just because of the logo, because the logo really, that's what that means. He explained that to me when I came across it years ago. And I, I remembered the logo, that whole conversation. I, I wanted to put that in the book because it kind of puts a timestamp on our, the U.S. presence on the back of the moon and showing that we had anagraph. You know, that was an anagraph craft, you know. So, yeah. it, so that's my follow up question is, OK, we know that. How long has this been going on? Not us going into space, but the actual like 20 and back program. I know you probably don't have an exact answer. William Tompkins in his book, um, he talks about being on the age regression end of, of the uh, 20 and back. He was in the think tanks that were figuring out how to do it. Uh, and he, he said the Navy in particular started their 20 and back program in 1980. But I don't know if, but it's definitely had to been going on way before that. Like, when do you think it might have actually started? I think it's, I think, well, we talked about it and we everybody's aware. It's like one of the very first things that an ET race trades. So when your planet figures out space travel and you get into your near orbit and you come across an ET, the first thing you're good, the first thing that everybody does is beg them for info. Give me, give me some info. Do you guys got anything that'll help me out here? We just made it to space. What, you know, give me some tech. What can I, what can I trade you for some technology? Can I have your, can I have your laser beam kind of thing? The very first thing that a, that a, that a brand new species does when they get into space is ask for more technology. And the very first thing that they get is the 20 and back tech. That's the very first, it's like a universal thing. It's life extension. Who wouldn't want, who wouldn't pay big through the nose for that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's so it's a life extension tech that they just give they, across the board. So they've been doing it for millions of years. It's a, it's very, it's, it's been forever. Wow. So that means that the Germans, when they got up into space, that was one of the first. So back in, you're talking the thirties or forties that the Germans began doing it mm. and probably there, and there are several different versions of it. I'm sure that the one that I experienced, the one that Tompkins talks about, the ones that we have, is not the only way to do that. I think there's more than one way to to carry out that tech. Well, and there's other life extension. And I talk about that in the in the book. There's a scene in the book, Aaron, you're not there on your page yet. But there's another scene in there where we went again. So there's a separate tech. There are, 
that's how I know there is more than one way to do it because we were in fact sold off to another program for 10 years in the middle of the 20 years. Yeah. And that'll be covered extensively in the second book. I left that in there for that reason, because it's a lot more, because that experience is way is a lot more woo. You know what I mean? If oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, it's way more woo than this. This book is more of like an autobiographical account and kind of like a, a, a witness account. The mm-hmm. next book that explains that 10 years and how that happened and how I got back from that is really more spiritual and it probably why I'm at where I'm at. And I said that in the solid interview too. Like, I don't think I could have made it this far without help. Even yeah. the night I was taken, I think that sphere that came in was not them. I think it was somebody else. And I think that because I went on that program that that's I inspired somebody to, you know, a friend in high place to help me out through all this. And that's kind of where, why I'm where I'm at, because I don't feel I've had a lot of things happen, you know what I mean? Like just randomly that helped me along the way to get to sit here in front of you guys tonight. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like a lot of people don't, don't do it. I totally get that. I it's yeah. And the synchronicity, it's not random. It's synchronicity, what we call it, you know, uh, there's too many, no coincidence, just too many things lined up just to help you along, nudge you along, whatever it might be, uh, make something fall into place, you know? They line things up for you, or it's your higher self doing it, you know? We'll see. We'll see. I'll touch on it. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, there's a lot I haven't figured out yet about it. And, right. uh, but I, I would got to be crazy to, to think that I just stumbled across and talk about all this stuff like the way I do as much as I do. And, uh, still, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, yeah. Yeah. whatever. I'm not even going to say anything bad. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to speak anything bad, but you know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah. I've been very fortunate since right. I've been public. Yeah. I do want to say this, you know, on a side note, I want to say that the public response to the book is um, surprising. And so the book, what it, what it is, the book is really triggering. Some people, a lot of people really enjoy it and they read right through it and they find it, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting a lot of, a lot of public remarks, like on my Facebook posts and people are sending me emails like, Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. I read the book quickly. Thank you. Good job. You know, attaboy. I'm getting a lot of attaboys. Mm. I'm also getting people that are triggered. I've, I've had two today people that are like, you know, I was recently raped Ooh. and I'm reading your book and would help, help me. Like I'm getting that. Like I've got a couple of those. I've had other people that read the book that broke down into tears and had a complete meltdown. And I've had other people that read the book and they put, especially after Seattle, where they said, look, I had to put it down because I wanted to go beat somebody's ass. And, you know, like people are having emotional triggering things like, because I'm not the only person in the world that's had any kind of traumatic event. And when they read the book, they're reliving their own too. It's a reflection of that. And there was a lot of things that I suffered through, but during the time I thought, you know what I'm saying? Like it was, that was just my life. That was my life. So I, I wasn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't sitting around, uh, you know, thinking, why, why couldn't this be like this? I just thought that's what life was, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm starting to get a lot of that. And I, I really kind of dumbfounded because I don't know how to react when, when people do tell me that, like, you know, help me, where do I go with this? And I'm like, you know, I sorted well, out all these feelings long years ago, many years ago. And so it's something that I got to, now that's something that, that it's like a new, it's a new challenge from right. speaking about my, my, right. Well, it's also not like, don't, don't take on all that pressure either. Like it's not your responsibility to help every single person heal that reaches out to you as much as you might want to, because you'll drain yourself, you know, you gotta, 
it's like an energy thing way too late for that yeah <laughs> yeah but right. uh well you know what i mean like as a human you want to help people out you know yeah. anybody no, that's a I decent human but i am starting to learn that i i've only got there's only so much of me that goes around like i yeah. i'm really overwhelmed lately because now i've got to sign all these copies and mail them but um i'm working just whittling it down I'm, it's a very i'm very um i feel very fortunate to do so right you know, well and regard. we're we're fortunate and grateful to have you on the show for the sixth yeah. seventh for the, for the sixth, sixth time. time number sixth seven will be time. the yeah we'll um, see so uh you're on diego garcia and you're uh, getting a load of cargo to take to another planet that then the species on this planet doesn't uh believe in aliens you said right Mm-hmm. that is extremely fascinating to me can you tell that story and and just kind of elaborate it on a little right. bit more? so uh, that's another thing about so uh, uh elena posted a picture of some ufo on her web facebook and she's she tagged me and said tony is this what you remember and i said yes that's the same color and that's kind of the shape that they were but it's way smaller it's a small one it's not like what the one that i was on they were and i've always described the ship that i would the max von lawi as like a stealth bomber shape and color it was that because they had radar they were stealth technology they had they were invisible to radar to, for that reason to go to these planets that are uh, you know like us back in the 80s that we have radar or us, us back in the 50s and they could come in with stealth and interact with their militaries or whoever and do business secretly so that was the case we we flew in under radar and then they had to stay out to sea because they had other, uh, you know, observation posts and things. And we took a, an LCAC, a, basically a hovercraft, a large Marine Corps, a Navy, a Navy um, hovercraft that they modified. They cut some of the down out of the center of it. They modified it, cut it in half and they cut a section out of the center and then welded it all back together. So it was more skinny than it would have normally been. So it would fit in our cargo bay. And it took them a while. They craned it in and they lowered it down with cranes and we all uh, rode it in. And it was a half hour ride from the ship. We all had, he gave us all um, watches to uh, keep track of the time because it was a temporal mission. There was only, we only had so much time we had to get back. There was a, there's a something about the tech on our, on that end of it. And we rode into a swampy area and onto a, an, an island or a peninsula. And that was, that was, he was like a, um, you know, like an Asian face, gray, like with, with the smaller eyes and with whiskers. And his body was like a more like a rat human, like a cross between a rat and a human, like, and uh, small, like a really thick, really weird clothes, like a burlap uniform. And he was a, he was, he, he was like an old man of his race. And he taught, he talked with it. The translator didn't really work well with him. So he had a weird dialect that he talked. And he was very easy going. He was like super late chilled and laid back about everything. And he was trying to make money on the side. He was trying to broker a deal between him and a few people in his branch of the military. They were trying to sell off some, some ore or some, uh, um, a metal, like, you know, a, a resource that they had, they were trying to sell it off and make money on the side. They didn't, they didn't really want space spaceships. They wanted cash. I think that was, that was, he, he what he was after. And it wow. was a setup and they were that, setting them up. Okay. So that just goes to show you like earth, it's not the only place like that, you know? And so these people, I guess their government knew about 
the space program obviously but the surface people didn't is that that's right it was it was kind of the same situation you know they were it was a planet that was like us back in the 80s you know where it's kind of they were on the verge of of space flight kind of and they were beginning to do business and i think that the orion group that we were there on behalf of the orion group so jason rice and i talked on the phone about this quite a bit you know this and he said no he said that's exactly the playbook they'd send guys like you in they would send a ship like yours in to do business and then walk on the deal and make it look like you know they were the bad like they screwed up something and then they would come in or you know what i mean like they would make the they would go in and set up a deal and it would fail and then later they would come with the military and they would ex- actually take over elements of their government they would begin a takeover of the planet Oh, he okay. said that's exactly he's like that was like the opening move that the that the orion group does is they begin trade they send trade ships in and then it, you know to try to entice them and see who they could get away with bribe who was bribable and who wasn't and he said that's he's like that's really what it sounds like you were doing and i said well i don't know man you know i was just i was just measuring boxes to see how many would fit on the hovercraft per load that we could take on the ship i was trying I, they sent me there to come up with a number of trips back and forth that's the whole reason i went on that trip and uh, but that was Jason Rice said that that was in their playbook on how they would, in fact, invade worlds. Well, that sounds kind of like what probably happened here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, well, I think that I think that we're in a hub and I think our invasion happened long ago. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think yeah. that it, I think it happened a long time ago. And we're actually we're actually the leftovers of or something out something that happened probably. Uh, 20,000 years ago, whenever. Or probably even further back than that, to be honest. Um, uh, what was I going to say? What were we just talking about? The, um, help me. Diego Oops. Garcia. No, but right before that, the Jason Rice, um, the, um, help me. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. because I don't I'm know your next question. <laughs> What was no Jason Rice? What were you just talking about? About how they would take over worlds? That, yeah. Okay. Uh, that right. So playbook. that's where I was going. That's where I was going with this. Sorry, guys. Uh, brain fart. The so I, it probably happened here long ago, but what about like I think it might have happened similar to that with our U.S. military at some point, our U.S. government at some point. Um, like maybe the Greta Treaty, you know, that we hear about um, to allow them to abduct us in exchange for their technology. That that seems like a bribe to me. And then obviously they just neglected their end of the deal. So something like um, that makes me wonder if that was the Orion group, you know? Yeah, well, I think it's more um, local to our area. And, I, you know, like I said, I think our situation because of where we're at, because Jupiter and all that's going on around Jupiter, I think the Earth is kind of like a side stage to that. It's not like one of these distant worlds that is kind of far away from everything that they're they're kind of going in and knocking them out. That like they took over the important parts of the of the galaxy first, or or nearby galaxies. Like we we kind of have important real estate where we're at because of the portal system that's around Jupiter and what's around Jupiter. So we're a busy system out of all the systems in in this neck of the woods so they took us over long ago and now they're going out to those more obscure worlds and it's they just have a playbook it's a it's a cookbook on how to go in planetary domination you know it's like that's how they do yeah yeah unfortunately but there's a cleanup going on right now yeah that's right the, the many so 
Well, and I think that a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, the planet has to submit too. I think that the populace on a, on a, on a scale, uh, on a mass scale, on a subconscious level has to submit to being taken over. You know, it's kind of what, and, and that's also what we're seeing yeah. uh, now, you know, because our, we are going into it. We came into the information age and we were not in it. Think about it though. People weren't thinking about the stuff that we talk about right now. And especially at the rate we're doing with a chat, with a live chat and hundreds of people watching and then thousands of people and tens of, you know what I'm saying? Like thousands of people didn't talk about this stuff ever before the internet and before, you know, they had, they had a few people that you gathered in person somehow. Yeah. A few people at conventions and those are people that are already kind of, you know, if you go to a convention, the, the really the convention crowd is people that have time and money. You know what I'm saying? It's not the yeah. average everyday American that's hard at work raising their kids. Yeah. So those are the, that's the mass, mass, masses are like that. They don't have time to visit all the conventions and really learn, pick up books and sit and read books. So now that we're in the information age, it's proliferating. And on a subconscious level, we're affecting each other. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's a planetary a hive mind that we have, that we subscribe to that picks our destiny. So we're at a point and lo and behold, here we are. Uh, what is it? Ten years after we got the info that you know that the uh, that the masses got the info. Here we are talking about being liberated, and you know that we're seeing big changes happen. We're seeing disclosure, and we're going back to the moon and etc. You know, like it's all happening quick because the information age is basically the genie's out of the bottle. Maybe it's yeah. no coincidence that Tyler. So maybe this is a, you know, when you talk about when I talk about that planet being back in the eighties, it was pre-internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were before their internet, they had space travel and no internet. So maybe that's no coincidence that that's when they step in and try to take it over, that that's why that we were there when we were there. And, and the captain was like, I didn't understand why, but the captain was obsessed with time on that mission. So much so that he gave me a wristwatch. Really? I, I never, I had a little drawer in my, in my room, in my, whatever you want to call it that I had a bunk bed and a five by, and there was a little tiny drawer with a, with a, you know, like a little desk that was just on the wall. I, and for years, I mean, I'm talking 10 years. I never had anything to put in it. Sometimes I had a piece of paper that, you know, hold, here's your, here's your paper. Take that to your class tomorrow in your first day of class. I, sometimes I would put a piece of paper in that door, but I finally had a watch. I had a Cassie, literally a Casio G-Shock that the captain issued us because we all had to keep, and he, I said, why am I getting a watch? And he said, well, you, in case you get separated from us, you know what time it is. And in case we all lose our watch, you'll have a watch. It's a bad, he was like, it was a redundant. It was that important to him. He said, we must be on time leaving. Otherwise the mission won't happen. And there'll be catastrophic results, you know, for, uh, for the colony. He's like, it'll be catastrophic for, for his career and everything. So the time was a big deal. And maybe that's, maybe we were time traveling to that time. I don't know. You know that's what I mean? what I, like, That's the feeling I'm getting. Like, cause you hear about like, I don't know if you know about the, project serpo mission where you know they all their time devices didn't even work on that planet because that planet operated their days were longer everything was different and uh so like they lost track of how they were supposed to be there for 10 years they they thought they were but they realized they were there for 13 years because their time is different so uh, i wonder if like the time like the time is different like that on each planet so it was like super strict that you guys were all on the same time so nobody got off of that I forget. I think Ceres was on like a 20 hour day. So, we, you know, we're on a 24 hour day. They were on a 20 hour day. 
but because we left and came back at the same time, I had an extra eight hours. So it was really a 28 hour day for us in the flight crew. But like the guys that were running in the mines and the people that were living there, they had a 20 hour day the way that they had it set up. And it was about whatever, some optimal physiology. I don't know why they picked it like that, Yeah, but it was a shorter day than the earth. And it, it was an artificial day too. Like I said, it was all basically governed. They've turned the lights on and it was daytime and everybody was, you know, that's when a business is opened and then they turned the lights out and it was evening, it would get dim and then the lights would be dark and it'd be nighttime. So that was artificial, but they had, they had a 20 hour clock. It was like 20 and 10 minutes or something. You know, it was weird the way they, wow. they, whatever reason they figured that out. I don't know why. I mean, yeah, I don't know either, but that, that seems like that would throw off the whole 20 years. Like, cause you're well, no. And, and so I've talked about this too, because I really, I really believe that when it ended for me, like at the moment that I, it ended like, so I, I you know, whatever they called me, Jerry, my name was Jerry up there when Jerry got sent back. When I went back to the moon and went through the regression program and got my memories erased and sat there and whatever, whatever the process was, when it ended, I realized it and it was in two, the year 2000 for me. So I was taken in 82 and in the year 2000, I, I woke up one day in my bed. I'm, you know, where was I living? I was in Ipsy. I lived in Ypsilanti. Woke up in my bed literally in the morning and I went, I felt like a million bucks and I went, it's over. I kept saying it over and over again. It's over. It's over. And I didn't know why. And I was happy as I was happy as shit. I, and I really, it was like, I immediately, a lot of things that were a challenge for me, emotion, all the emotional problems that I had, all the anger issues, everything just was like, like that person died and I could feel it. And I got my, I was back to myself again, rather than being diluted between two, two minds for those years. It's hard to explain. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to explain, but that's what it felt like for me. But when I did the math on that, it's only 18 years. I was just going to say that's 18 years. Yeah. So because I was doing those flights, though, because I was doing the flights where I was going back, I did the math on that. And it's like seven years of five a day, five a week of eight hours, a seven, eight, seven years. And it was probably eight years that I was on doing that because we didn't do all of them. And the math checked out that it takes off about two years. So that I did, you know, I, it was years ago. It was five, six years ago. I did the math, but right, I did. Right. And it actually did support it. It actually did work out. Nice. So you, you mentioned earlier something about the portals and Jupiter. And it, it just made me think, did you ever encounter any portals or jump rooms or anything we hear like a lot of these other guys talking about? Did you use any of those? Well, I think the train from Mars to uh series, when I went from Mars to series was, a, was one of those, like a jump. It was a train. <laughs> okay. It was yeah. a train. And you went into the train, went into a tunnel and there was a, poof. it wasn't a flash of light, but there's a poof, you know what I mean? Like poof. And you get disoriented, you know, ears ringing and you kind of feel disoriented. And then the train, you could feel the train slowing down immediately. And one, and boom, it's, it came to a stop and I was on series colony. Like and they didn't tell me, they didn't tell me what was going to happen. The other thing is that they said you had to drink, you know, you had to drink water immediately. Or you could get, you could develop some kind of problem you know, your electrolytes were screwed up. You had to immediately have water and, uh, other people after I, after I've said that and talked about other people I've seen have said the same thing. A few other experiencers said that they've been through jump rooms and they had to have water afterwards. So as far as like, you know, I I'm familiar with the story. Is it, is it Andrew Bashago? Yeah. Uh, the jump room in El Segundo. The, yeah. the jump LA. room there. Yeah. 
the one in LA. Yeah, I, I listened to that story a few years ago, and um, it seemed exactly it seemed to describe a lot of how it was. The other thing is the the reptile on the moon said that that's how he went home. He went home to his planet every day. And he said that it was a 30 minutes, took him 30 minutes. So it would jump. And then however it worked out, it was a 30 minute ride for him in so like an elevator, jump, in an elevator. So his jump rooms coming in from all, all, all sorts of planets on this, yeah. onto the moon or whatever, and probably on earth, you know? Well, like, and then, so the other thing is what, what I remember, and this is something that maybe somebody can check out later on when you guys go into space. And, uh, you know, post-disclosure is yeah. that it was dependent on power output. So they could make a jump room that would go from here to the moon on a certain level of power, petawatts, or I forget the one, like terawatt, whatever it is, the watts, the wattage of the output of the generator, whatever the power was, that it needed a certain amount. And to go very far, they needed one that was super powerful. And the moon was an existing, had an existing power supply that enabled it to make jump jumps to go like it was classified and and you had like they had to go to the moon like series colony had their own jump rooms but they wouldn't go far they had to fly to the moon to, to jump to certain other places to use that tech and the ships were the same way the battleships could jump farther and faster than our ship could our ship could jump but only so far it would take two or three jumps to get across the galaxy for instance Whereas the warships could go in one jump because they had way more power output. Everything, everything across the board is about power output in that, in that society. It's not about free energy. The energy is free. Like I can, you know, imagine if you can make a free energy generator, it's no big deal. It's not, it's worthless. If all it does is charge a cell phone, if it has a small power output, big deal. If it's free, I need a, we, we need a generator that can power LA. You know what right. I'm saying? And, yeah. and we're talking about on these ships, they could power the planet, half the planet on, on their free. And that was a technology that was dependent on rare elements that are not found in our region of space. So they had to actually lease those, purchase those, or make deals to borrow those from other species. It was still guarded the same way that oil is to us today. That was the situation with energy up there that it, you know, yes, you can build your spaceship. Yes, you can build your own disk that can jump and go get all over, go to the ne nearest star, but you can't build one that's going to kick ass. You have to, you know what I'm saying? You can't, you, the, to get the really high power output stuff, that was still a very guarded tech. Mm. Wow. That's, those are details I hadn't heard. Uh, and yeah, very same. crucial, actually. Well, you know what I mean? Like, that's what we're moving into. That'll be the, that'll be the next era that we move into post-disclosure is, you know, we're going to, everybody's like, we're going to get free energy. So it's the end of worrying about energy. That's not the end of it. We're going to get free energy and we're going to need more. That's all, all that's going to be is more gizmos that we can, we can design off more output. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really, when you look at, um, when you but look it'll at be way better, you know, obviously than what we have. Now. Well, yeah. The, well, we're totally under the yoke of an economical yoke because we have to pay for energy now. You yeah, and I mean? we're not raping and destroying the planet by right, and it's not sustainable. We have an now, unsustainable energy not source. Sustainable. So, yeah. Well, at the same time, they don't want to give you time travel either. You know what I mean? In the same breath of free energy, but we will get free well, energy. Yeah. We will get free energy, and that and that'll open up the door to many new devices that we can use. Oh yeah. You know, like when you, I always say that, um, you know, like when you look at Iron Man in the movies. Mm -hmm. Like the real, yeah. he's got free energy, but really the deal is he's got massive power output in his free energy. 
It's not just a battery. You couldn't build a Tony. You couldn't build an Iron Man suit with a DeWalt battery. You just, with not <laughs> enough power. He's got yeah. massive power, and that's the same exact dynamic of the space programs. That some of them have a much much more power output than another one, and that's the ship that's going to kick ass. And that's you know mm. what I mean. So they guard that. Yeah. So that 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 is, that's going to be our lifestyle um, after after post disclosure. Sure, sure, and. Uh, it makes perfect sense. I just, I was talking about the way, like the, like, um, what do you call it? Jumps, jumping, uh, light speed, whatever, of jumps. Mm-hmm. Just the way, like, you can, you needed more power to make a longer jump. I had never thought about that before. Like, I just thought it was a tech you can put on any ship and like, I see how it works now. So that's, that well, would make then, sense why they need them four kilometers long. <laughs> and that, right. Right. Well, and not only that, but that's why they use the natural, they need the natural portals to jump to other galaxies because they can't make one with enough power to go from one galaxy to the other. They'd have to jump so many times, it would still take a thousand years. So they use natural portals to go to other galaxies. Like the one portal by Jupiter, I think it went to like 18 other galaxies or 20 other galaxies. And then from there, they can find other natural portals and go to 18 different more galaxies. And that's how they were doing that. You know, they right. have to use natural portals for intergalactic travel and they could jump themselves. Like I said, two or th- it was like three jumps for us to get in the Milky Way, you know, around our galaxy. It was like three, took three stops and yeah. uh, they would have to wait a few minutes in between each one before it to like charge up. You know, it's well, it's it's literally like Star Trek. I mean, exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And, you know, we always talk about us becoming a Star Trek civilization. So actually, we already are. We're just all under. We are, we're just locked up out of it. Yeah, yeah. we're just in, yeah. hypnotized. There uh, they are, and they're we're locked out uh, right now. Right, but but in our, at the planet, the planet as a whole already is exactly what you're talking about. We're capable of everything. It probably would blow people away and things we can't even imagine. Like inner Earth alone is is fascinating to even think about how massive that actually would be, and if it's fully you know whatever it looks like. We have no clue what's happening here. Yeah, true. Um, well, and then I've heard that from people that are skeptical when they see my interviews, they're skeptical. They're like, come on, man, no way. They're, where would they hide all this stuff? And I'm thinking, have, have you been out into the world? You know what I mean? Like it would be yeah. very easy. Very you could easy. build, you could build, a, if you don't have a satellite looking down on the earth, then you could hide a city anywhere you want. Like there's plenty of places there are thousands and thousands of miles of planet oh. surface. Before you talk about water, there are thousands and thousands of miles that nobody sets foot on. Yeah. That there's and nobody going to. Underground. And yeah. then you go underground on top of that. Well, that all of the bodies in the solar system have underground. They're building underground. And not to hide from us, but to hide from ET, other ETs. The Earth is mm-hmm. protected. You know, has a there's an agreement around the Earth. They have everybody there's a there's an etiquette around populated planets, but the colonies that are in the system in the solar system are underground because yep. it's a camouflage that for mm-hmm. that reason. Well, yeah. yeah. And just natural Definitely. protection. Um, so do you ever get people asking you or coming to you or complaining to you that you're or telling you that you're lying because we can't go to space. Do you ever get those people? I'm working on a thing. I'm uh, slowly gathering some info on the, the, you know, ways to prove the world is round kind of thing. <laughs> so there's that it's really it's really it's a shame because it, to to buy into flat earth means you discount a lot of physics, you know well, what I mean? There's a lot of things that work 
that work out that you totally throw out the window in order to believe the flat earth. But I get not, skeptics all the time. Nature doesn't make flat. That's the thing that they don't understand. But it's not even the flat earthers. Some people think we just space is fake. Oh, yeah. Well, well the Van Allen belts, I get that a lot. The people that, what about, what'd you do about the radiation and the Van Allen belts? Yeah, yeah, like we went right through it. We went right through it. it number one, the number two, go right through it. It's nothing. Yeah. Well, number two, we are we were only going to be in those bodies for twenty years, so they didn't give a shit if we got cancer because you were just you would just die and go back. You know what I mean? Like they were going to regress you and go back. And I think it was a clone body anyway. So they were just that whole body could have been destroyed. They would just kill it off. They didn't care. Like the medical science, the van, any kind of radiation because. If you think the Van Allen belts have a lot of radiation, that's nothing compared to what Jupiter is putting out. Like Jupiter is the most radioactive body in the solar system after the sun. I think the magnetic field around Jupiter is bigger than the one from the sun, if I'm saying that right, or as big. It's like the biggest thing in the sky is the magnetic field around Jupiter. It's highly radioactive around it, but they gave they gave zero shits about it in the space program because they've solved that. They have... Um, shielding and then they have medical technology if you get sick from it they'll just fix you so that was not an issue but i get i do get that a lot from skeptics you know we have pictures from space I, you know what i'm saying like is i it, and it sucks that you really can't live i mean you guys see it i you know we, we're all facebook friends you know tyler like i watch you and aaron i see your stuff you know how good they are at faking pictures you know, oh, we yeah. get, there's all kinds of stuff. You can tell, you can tell it's fake. Like they can put your, they can put your face on a crime scene and make it look believable. You know what I'm saying? Which is why, which, mm -hmm. which the, the net result is that it's not admissible anymore. The pictures are worthless. Now pictures right. are totally worthless because mm -hmm. they can go down to a minuscule, like one pixel and tint it slightly. And just, they can build anything they want in a movie. And so that all, that means all the video evidence we ever get is, thrown out the window so that's what people the anti-space people kind of beat us up with that say oh it's a fake picture even though it's like a 4k like super high def yeah international space station live feed of the of the tsunami you know what i mean the, we're getting pictures like that so but they still don't it's not it's not evidence to them. right well we're going back though um you know we're gonna we're gonna go back we're gonna get live we're gonna get a live camera now so when we went to the moon in the 60s and 70s People couldn't tune in from their internet, right? Right. So we're going to go back. Imagine they're going to have they're going to have live feeds from the moon here in a couple of years in 26, 5, 26. I, yeah, I believe it. Here. I believe so it. We're going to have that in a minute. Yeah. Well, I, I've I've said for a long time, like an, a UFO could land in my front yard and the ET could walk out. I could film it in 4K and put it online and 100% of people are going to say it's fake. Not because mm -hmm. for one, it's going to look too good. And for two... They just don't believe it. They it would never happen. It, there's it's outside of their belief system, so it's threatening mm -hmm. to them. And there's just no no room for that. Yep. Well, they think well, here's what it is. They think that that's the right answer. They think that the guy next to them is going to say the same thing. So yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Like the masses, basically, they say, "Oh, I don't believe in that stuff," because they think that if they're in a party of <laughs> of 25 people, they think that all the rest of the party that that's what they're going to say. If they thought that everybody else in the party would say. Yes, yeah. it's it's a inclusion. It's a sales technique yeah. called inclusion. Mm -hmm. And they feel like they want to be included in being a debunker because they think that everybody's a debunker now. Yeah, so that's slowly think, changing. Oh, if I if I let people know I think this this is real or oh wow, I'm fascinated by it, then I look stupid 
to the right. skeptics or the most people are going to be skeptical you know yeah it's all psychological ego there's um all that you know i haven't been hyper attacked by skeptics and um but i have there's been a few and most of the ones that waste their time doing it are not great at it but mm-hmm. it, i mean really if somebody wanted to go through it, it really if somebody if they spent the money and went through and went through all my interviews and caught me putting my foot in my mouth a million times, which I, cause I'm just talking about off the, off the cuff, just like right. me and you, you know, it's me and you. And so if somebody wanted to cut me up and take my, take what I said and really devastate me and make a hit piece, I'm sure that it would be easy. You know okay. what I'm saying? But that doesn't right. mean that, you know, anything that I'm saying isn't, isn't true. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's just that easy to make people look bad. You can make a hit piece for any, for, basically right we could do i can make a hit piece on myself just from yeah (laughs) just from taking clips in the show it'd be easy (laughs) that's why when you look at you can tell it's a hit piece rather than like an actual expose of someone or something when it's very emotional it's very character attacking attacking rather than fact-based and that's what that's what the hit pieces always are they're always right and, and taking things out of context to make it look bad and things like that. You can yeah. you can see it, but a lot of people want to see people destroyed. They want if it's oh, somebody yeah. they want to see destroyed, then they'll buy it. They'll buy it hook line. See, that's all the information. That's all they go. Here's the proof. Yeah. 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 So the flat earth thing is really kind of spun out of control. I'll say that. But oh, the yeah. flat earth thing is like spun out of control. And a lot of people that oh, would yeah. otherwise. So the thing is, you know. So we're, we're at a certain age and we, we know what we know we've grown up, but kids are growing up and that's all they're being exposed to. You got to think about a kid now, a child that's sitting in front of YouTube. And then all of a sudden YouTube algorithm steers him into a flat earth story. He doesn't have a chance to be critical because this is all he's seeing. Right. And then school is basically a failure. You know what I'm saying? There's no telling what they're getting in school anymore. It's a watered down crappy version of what we had. And we got a crappy version of what really they were teaching people in the seventies had a better education, you know, Mm -hmm. in many ways, in many ways. And so you got to think about kids nowadays that are being exposed to this kind of information that, that is out to debunk us that are telling the truth about what's going on up there. You know, that's really what it is, is flat earth is a big heap of crap that they're throwing on top of the SSP to make it look to, to make it, look guilty by association you know right yeah yeah anything outside that's just loon they're lunatics you know yeah when i see two people fighting i don't want to listen to either one of them you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, like yeah really exactly. I, if there's two people fighting in there i'm gonna just walk away i don't want to be i don't want to be involved and that's so they pick the fight with it and there's a lot of disinfo man going on yeah um yeah. that's then, why the conferences are so important mm-hmm. yeah let's talk about that uh exactly. Secret Space Conference, man, it's coming up May second. May it's still a long. I'm counting the days, man. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast, and um, it's nice because it's close enough. I can drive. I can drive down. Yeah. Uh, the, recently, we were gonna. I I was gonna do. Jackie was gonna go there too. I was gonna do the UFO MegaCon in Vegas, and they canceled it. Yeah, canceled it because yep. they couldn't find a uh, um, mask-free host place to host it. Oh, and really? They had. Yeah, they didn't want to obey. There were so many people that said they weren't going to pay for the wear a mask they were coming from out of state where they don't have the mask and mm-hmm. it was an issue man like that was a major issue and that's a big conference like that was a good lineup i was excited about that and i was going to be the first one to set up books and sold and stuff and um so because of the mask mandating you know that they that that got canceled so you know it, i hate wearing the mask on flying but you know i'm going to put up with it if we all agree with it and 
which we don't, but you know what I mean? Like I just kind of kind of grin and bear it and get it done pick to get there. Yeah, yeah you exactly. got to pick your battles. You exactly. So. I, I fly. I, I, you got to wear them when you fly, and I want, I'm not going to let that stop me from traveling. They're not going right, to keep right. me home, you know. If I got to do that right. for a couple hours and bite the bullet, then whatever. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but so at the conference, I don't know. You've sp- Actually, my favorite part about watching your Cocoa Beach presentation was the visuals. We hear your story all the time, but you had the visuals and the artwork, and it really just – it was captivating, and it helped paint a better picture. So that was my favorite part about that, which I think, you know, stands apart from the – you know, online interviews. I need to get busting on that. There's a few, there's a, there's at least half dozen more slides that I want to add before the secret space conference. Uh, because there are things I want to cover that are different. I, I don't want to be, it's so, it's too easy to take the old slideshow and dust it off and just throw it up there and go. And I don't have a ton of them. I, I love Laura Eisenhower's slideshow because she's got zillions of slides and she's supposed to, she just <laughs> yeah. doesn't, she's like, no, no, go, 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 go. Yeah, okay, this one. And then, you know what I mean? She's done. So, you don't even know what just happened. You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she talks really fast. <laughs> there, it, there for a while, for a couple of years, I worked with artists quite a bit. They were helping me out. And then I just kind of ran out of stuff that I wanted to visually see. I was still, I was getting artwork done to help me um, process the memories. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they were, I was getting artwork done that was, I didn't want to show anybody, but I wanted to see it again just for the memory part of it and so i haven't been doing that lately i do want to say this that um katrina vogel that that is an artist i had hired her to do original cover art for the book and it was completely different than what ended up and what happened was when i made the cover art i showed a bunch of people and they were like you know that's really good and everything but it makes your story look like it's fiction Mm -hmm. and so that's why we picked the more serious the more right down and um but her art was really good. So I do want to put that in somewhere. Maybe I'll put it like on the cover page of my slide or something, but she's really awesome. And uh, yeah, she's might... the one who did our, uh, did our, poster. our poster. And then yeah. she also drew just another thing online of us too, but yeah, she's, she does great work. There's a group here in Michigan that is throwing a book signing party where I'm going to read down at a bookstore in Lansing on the 27th. I'm going to go into the bookstore and like be the author guy, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I should get some glass, fake glasses and kind of do, dress up, but go. I'm going to go do that and do a book signing and read out of it. And they're throwing a thing, but um, they, I gave them the art from that and that they, they have posters that they're putting up in the bookstore that has Katrina's art in it. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so that is getting used for that, but I'm going to try to incorporate it into the slideshow. And I do need some right. more. I, I at least want to do graphs. Now I want to show like, and then, uh, a lot of people suggested that I need to have a more detailed timeline that shows because people get confused, man. You know, like, you know, like Aaron, I know that you study this stuff quite a bit. You're very familiar with my story and the timeline. So for you to, for me to flash a timeline up for you is like that you grasp it, but mm-hmm. the people watching it for the first time, they go, wait, you're where Peru, you moon and then Peru and then moon. What, what, yeah. where, what? Yeah. And they get lost. So I've got to, I want to make more artwork to kind of vis- put a visual for that for other people. So. Nice. It's all in the pipe. There's a lot going yeah. on, man. I tell you, I could do this full time and I don't. I have a full time, <laughs> yeah, I have a full time gig and a couple things. And it seems like there's just there's just so much to do in this. I don't know how you do what you do <laughs> have a full time job. It's been every Saturday, awesome. every Saturday and Sunday, basically for six years now, pretty much. You know, really? I mean, that's really been the dedicate that's been the deal. And and those, and like I said, I've done all those interviews and all that is just answering people that are asking me, not searching for it like now i am i'm yeah. trying to push the book but somebody that's all once just... 
Somebody wants to know what bookstore, if you're if you're able to say. I will post it later. I got to dig that. It's like buried in an email. Um, I mean, I can try to dig it up real quick. It, it's not that, that crucial, I'm sure. But um, no, it's amazing. And yeah, we're excited to have you out at the conference. Guys, if you want to come, tickets are still available. $444. That's 12 speakers, four days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, buffet every day. Uh, it's really not a bad deal, especially including the meal plan. And aside from the information, you get to come hang out with everybody. And that's that's the best part about it. Just uh, creating a space where we can all get together and just, you know, banter and tell our stories. Uh, do that. Please grab a ticket and come hang out with us. And um, also live stream. We do have live stream tickets for $111, $111 for anyone who can't make it or doesn't want to travel for any reason or if you live in another part of the world. So uh, do you find your video, Tony? Are your, I, I uh, found it, but that is going to be a absolutely killer conference. The, the lineup is great. There's a lot of people there speaking for the first time publicly, which is many times because of the adrenaline factor, that's the best mm -hmm. show on earth. And there's going to be a lot of stuff. I'm looking forward to meeting a, uh, a lot of the speakers there, all of them really, but I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of people in person. And because it's one subject, it's geared around, you know what I mean? The mm -hmm. secret space program. It's going to be, it's going to be very in depth. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm not downplaying it, but other conferences, sometimes they go, it's all healing or it's all this or that. And it's very fragmented, the conference itself. And there's people there that have no idea what you're talking about, but this one is everybody's going to be on the same page. It's going to be amazing. I, I can't wait for that. I can't wait. Man. Right. And my, my favorite part is, is going to be what I'm putting together like a whistleblower panel essentially on the last night. I'm going to get all you guys on stage and uh, we're going to have, it's going to be very structured, you know, it's not going to be, and then we're just going to really like break it down and, and bounce some thoughts off each other and compare notes. And I think it will be really cool. Uh, something that you guys, we don't really get to see done anywhere. I used to hate panels. I used to hate it. And I still kind of don't like in the zoom format, the interview, like when there's a bunch of people talking, I kind of don't care for it because it's watered down. But the last couple panels I did the way that Brad, Brad was host and uh, the way that he passed it down, they really were, they really were good experiences. And I think the crowd, you know what I mean? Like when the, the panels put it this way, when, when I talked or when other people talked, people didn't cheer, but at the panels, people stand up and cheer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's when you're hitting nice. home. That's, you know, that's when, well, you know, you're creating you're an, an energy impact. field. Yeah. And people are flowing. Yeah. I've seen some amazing panels where like, you're like, man, the whole world needs to be hearing this right now. You know? <laughs> yes. And yeah. a couple, so I'm always afraid of them because you don't know who's talking next to you. And you know, they're hostile. I've heard of hostile ones where people up there screaming at each other. I don't think that'll be the case at yours because right. we're all experiencers of the same kind of stuff. So yeah, it's going to be a good, it's going to be a great night for sure. Uh, I'm going to plug this book mm -hmm. thing. If that's cool. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, January. January 29th at the East Lansing Public Library on Abbott Road. And the, there's a large conference conference room. I guess I'm going to, and I'm going to read, read some of the book and I'll have books there to sell. And uh, it's just a couple hours, it's like two to 4 PM on Saturday, the 29th. So anybody in Michigan or nearby could, could come by and check that out, but Anyone, I'll be uh, nervous. As, I'll be nervous <laughs> as hell. No, it'll be <laughs> awesome though. Um, I guess that's it. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to cover before we uh start wrapping this up yeah i'm gonna get this i'm gonna sign this right now so oh yeah sign book, my book Tyler. i'm Isn't gonna it? sign your book man i'll get it in the mail <laughs> to you tomorrow uh right here hey dear uh, tyler 
I like right, right Piler P Y Piler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this book was good for six visits on your show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Uh, I'll fill it out later, but I yeah, just yeah, signed it right now, so awesome. I'll get you your copy soon. So thank you so much for this. Um, you know, the book the book is a double edged double edged sword for me. Um, on one, I, I, like I said, it's a real, I feel, I feel a real like weight off my shoulders, like a huge accomplishment done, you know, like now there's a book so they can scrub yeah. the YouTubes. They can delete YouTube. They can delete all that stuff. A book is a lot harder to undo in the future. That's right. It's in your hand. And so that's a big deal to me. So, and then there's a money issue there. That's, you know what I mean? Like I, I never really set out to do this for money. Like some other people do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I haven't done to that, but that yeah. is happening too. And it's like, a, it's like, um, you know, uh, I'm thank I'm really feel blessed and thankful about that. And so, but that's not the motivation for another book. The thing is, is like, I, I believe in the mission of this information. I do. And I, I hope that people and with the feedback I'm getting, like I said, it's triggering. And some people are just can't put it down. Like it took me six years to write it. And there's people reading it one day. <laughs> uh, you know what i'm saying like i'm like man come on savor it a little bit one day. so one day and on top of it like people in my personal life i f i feel like a very real embarrassment giving it to people to, you know what i'm saying that are like uh normies like hey no, it's for I for my imagine. book to go to a normie that i know in my personal life it's like, like you're I feel, crazy I, now i feel embarrassed about it because <laughs> well i mean there's a lot of personal stuff yeah so there's, it's oh, like well, yeah. it's like very personal yeah. I get that. I get that. I there's totally people, that, of course. there's people who would rather tell their whole story to a, a thousand strangers than the five people they know. That's right. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And somebody that you're going to hear it from, you know what I mean? A month. Yeah. So, wait a minute. So, and I've had a few like Alex Murphy proofread it. He did a proofread and he had some really oh, good nice. questions. He had really good questions that he came up with. Like he caught a lot of stuff and he had really good questions. I need to talk to him because I thought about the answer. I said, man, let me think about it. I'll get back to you. And um, there's just stuff in the book. So maybe maybe I'll be back for seven if you guys read it all and you have some more questions. I don't know. Oh, man, they're going to totally. be like, you'll be back for 17 eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. so. um, no, man, it's uh, thank you so much. Uh, I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to uh, get my hands on it because uh, I just finished up a book. So I'm ready to go. So I'm just oh, waiting. So, OK, <laughs> nice. I'll get it to you. I'll get it in the mail tomorrow to you. Right on. Uh, man, this was awesome. Uh, guys, go check out Tony's book. I guess you can get it just on Amazon right now. Amazon, and a lot it's, of people have trouble in UK, but there are, it is available in the UK. It's in Spain. It's big in Japan. It's doing great in Japan. Who would have thunk? You know wow. I mean? It's the English version, but it's in Japan. It's like they're buying it there. But Not, um, not Piler makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the inside joke. I went and got Thai food. And, you know, they ask your name on the phone. Well, when I got the bag, it said Piler with a P. <laughs> and it just stuck. So, so on Amazon, they made it really hard to find your book because I, I searched. I searched just the title. Then I put your name and the title. It still didn't come up. I had to Google search that. And then I found the link on Google. Well, that's how it happened. So Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And so you Amazon's would think like buried it. It's hard. Yeah. To so like I said, the algorithm is weird how they how they do it. And we actually 
there's a lot to it that was like way above me. You know what I mean? That we put in SEO searches, they give you keywords when you list it and all that. So mm-hmm. it's a complicated deal. And Amazon is, is Amazon. It's, you know, you're yeah. kind of stuck doing business with one guy. I wonder if um, it's just cause it's, it's so new and it's your first book. So maybe that's only been a couple of weeks. It. Yeah. yeah. It's only been a couple of weeks. We'll see how it goes. And but if you go to your and, website, uh, there's, you should be able to get to it. Right? It's on my web. There's a link from my website and a lot of people are telling me they can't find it. So we do have SEO links that'll help the Amazon rankings that people click on them. So you if go. you get a chance, even if you don't buy it, just stop in and click now and again. Uh, you know, I did, whatever it'll do what it's send me all the links and I'll put yeah. them in the description. I'll get you some SEO links for that. Yeah. yeah. Put them yeah, in the I'll description right after this. So yeah, we well, can do that. Um, thanks guys. Yeah, man. Thank you. Looking forward to the conference. Can't wait to hang out with you in person again. Uh, we had some fun in Florida. So, and it's, it's cool. Yes. Like I said, it's in the Midwest. So it's centrally located for anyone who wants to come. And I know a lot of people in the Midwest are excited because there's never conferences here. So, um, yeah, grab a ticket, come hang out with us. And uh, I guess that's it. Thank you so much. Thanks to our mods. Thank you guys for the donations. We love you all. We can't do this without you. And um, have a great night and we will see you next time.